podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Today's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast comes in association with Nutmeg, the Scottish football periodical. The subscription-only quarterly publication is filled with top-quality writers, great articles and fascinating stories about the beautiful game in Scotland. Get your subscription at www.nutmegmagazine.co.uk. It was quite clearly the most domestic cat I've ever seen. Couldn't have been in a meadow. Couldn't have been any more cat-like. Hello and welcome to Wednesday's episode of the Terry Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Fowler and I'm joined by Gary Cocker. Good evening. And Sean McGuigan. Hello. And on today's show, we're going to get through quite a lot, so let's just fire into it. Uh, not giving you any teasers, can't be bored. I'd have to think of them off the top of my head, didn't write it down. So let's just start with the game, Dens on Tuesday <laughs> <Yeah>. night. <laughs> Gary. Right, a penny for your thoughts. Let's start with Hearts, because that's going to be a lot quicker. Um, there's not really actually too much you can tell because of the shite they were playing, um, but I think it's a lot of positive for Hearts fans. Dens hasn't always been the easiest place to go in recent seasons, um, but they went there, scored in the second minute. They scored when I was still on the steps going to my seat, uh, and the fact I didn't turn back is a pretty big uh, mark against me, really. Um, scored in the second minute, Followed up again quickly with a second goal. Um, they were still going for a third when Dundee got a penalty, which we will come back to, which was missed. After that, they sort of held back a little bit, but still totally dominated the first half. Scored within, I think it was 16 seconds of the second half beginning, um, and then just coasted and took the piss by putting Craig White on as a sub. <laughs> which, which some, who some Dundee fans were cheering on. Yes, uh, the most entertaining part of the game for me, other than keeping the... Uh, podcast group updated on all of the other goings on was when he came on um, at one point he had the ball and he was going he was taking on on D and someone went go on Craig get past him he's shy <laughs> and it reminded me <laughs> it, you hear quite a lot about this phenomenon about um, supporters uh, I think mainly in the Far East who tend to follow like Cristiano Ronaldo or Leo Messi so they're not fans of clubs <laughs> they're fans of players and it's a mark of just how bad it's got for Dundee that some of the fans are clearly thinking, I'm a Craig Whiten fan, me. Dundee, never heard of them. Um, so yeah, Parts dominated the game. Callum Morrison had a fantastic game on the right, absolutely tortured Calvin Miller. Um, but really the story of it was a shambolic defensive performance, a team which yet again went through the tombola that we thought Neil McCann had taken with him when he packed up his desk, but apparently not. Um, it was built into the wall. Yes, it's... a fact that Dundee cannot go more than one game with the same starting eleven. Um, so we brought in Darren O'Dee, who replaced Andy Boyle. Um, we brought in, uh, I think Elton Nguatala hadn't started at the weekend against Livingston, so he came in as well. Um, I can't remember the other one, but the fourth change was uh, Jack Hamilton coming in for Elliot Parrish. And you won't have seen it from the highlights, but he is a man bereft of confidence. 
absolutely no confidence whatsoever. He was flat. <laughs> <laughs> no confidence in. <laughs> <laughs> he he was flapping at the ball repeatedly. Um, as you mentioned earlier um, in the group chat, he uh, he tried to peel him for offside for, for the third goal. goal. Um, which was a ball cut back from the byline when there was about five <laughs> Dundee players trying to clear it. Um, he repeatedly flapped. Um, every time the, the ball came back to him for him to clear the Hearts fans and some Dundee fans went, oh, um, I don't know why it's anywhere near the start in 11. Well, will, um, I be able to, will I be able to source longer highlights? Because it sounds like there's a lot that I would enjoy for that, but I've only managed to see a four-minute and nine-second uh uh, kind of length of highlights, and I want more. I would. Uh, do you I, want? Why don't you get me to give you the password for the waistcoat? And that will give me all ninety minutes. Yes. Well, because yeah. the sending light there could have been a lot of boon in that game, and I thrive on this. I would recommend if anyone is going to watch it, whether on DTV, Y Scout, or any other platforms, watch the first half an hour roughly, because <laughs> um, in the first half an hour, Hearts go two up. There's booing. You'll hear sporadic. Things being shouted at McIntyre as well, because um, the fans aren't very happy with him. Um, you'll see the penalty miss as well. I mean, I think it was pretty stick-on penalty. Uh, Dunn wrestles Calman to the ground. Uh, it looks like it's a bit of a get-out-of-jail-free. Obviously, it would only take us back to 2-1, but, you know, might G things up. So, we've got um, Kenny Miller as our captain. Now, when Jim McIntyre was choosing who he wants to take penalties for the team, there's two Millers in the team. There's the striker, the captain, experienced player, international player, um, you know, a man who you would expect to shoulder the big responsibility. And you've got a 20-year-old loanee from Celtic who's a left-back. McIntyre did say afterwards that he, I think maybe, he spoke to him beforehand and he put him on penalties and he's aware that he has taken penalties before and it was his decision to put on penalties. That's what he said but after the game anyway. Yep, and that's my problem is that Jim McIntyre picked Calvin Miller over Kenny Miller because well uh, we saw what happened and you probably shouldn't have ever really put left footers on penalties um, that's quite, not a thing though well it is now why why is that because Calvin Miller was one penalty against Hearts hilarious Be- as it was because I'm angry against the world <laughs> and I'm lashing out wherever <laughs> I can it's um, like left footed players shouldn't be on penalties um, but no, no there's no real kind of Nothing to prove that. There's nothing scientific behind it. I've heard that mentioned before, and I, I couldn't. Uh, somebody would need to back up the facts yeah. before they're going to get my buy-in. It's like, oh, don't like left footers. It seems like some of my grand would come up with. Well, Just like it, a load of rubbish. If, if you want, I can give you my season ticket, and you can explain that to all the middle-aged men around me who were screaming about I it. Imagine. Um, I can imagine. Now, the booing when uh, when McLean hit the bar. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I got goosebumps. Well, <laughs> it was. It was incredible, because if we go through the goals, so the first one, um, I didn't actually see what uh, the free kick was for, I think it was Lewis Spence I chopping down no, I Cochran, thought, I think no, it was. I thought it was a soft free kick. Yep. I thought Cochran, uh, he tried to play the ball past him, he, I, I felt that he almost flung himself into him. I mean, I, you see free kicks given uh, for it all the time, I thought it was, I thought it was very soft. Yep. Um, so then that was, uh, after that there was the second goal, which was, I think, the worst of the three. Because um, you've got Inguatala's got the ball. Um, Inguatala, who was signed from the sixth tier of English football, by the way, in case you can't tell, um, he's got the ball in the middle, uh, in the final third. He's got options to his left and to his right, but instead he just seems to dance on the ball a little bit until three Hearts players come from different directions to just rob him of the ball. It 
goes out to Morrison on the right, um, who puts in the ball, and it's not the best ball in the world that he puts in. It's a pretty relatively slow ball along the ground. Hamilton somehow misses it. Another two or three players miss it, and Nathan Smith's just at the back. And McLean to, flicks it. I thought McLean got a touch. He did. Mm-hmm. You can tell from behind the goal. It doesn't look like but, he does from the other angles, but the camera behind the goal... I'm going to say I don't think he's trying to flick it to Naismith I think he's trying to flick it on goal yeah, but he yeah. definitely gets something but on it I think the biggest problem is that for Dundee there's so many uh, points during the game and you saw it again for the third goal with Kerr on Doom um, where the defence and the midfield support in the defence aren't putting their bodies on the line and it does sound like a bit of a year dad thing to say, say there's no passion, there's no fight but they look very but polite. there is no passion and there is no <laughs> Exactly. They, they just look incredibly polite. There's no tracking back from the midfield. Um, the only moment where you see people putting their bodies on the line is flinging themselves in front of shots uh, to try and block it. But you're not seeing people actually trying. I think the third goal had nine Dundee players back in the box. And yep. none of them were anywhere near where they really needed to be. Yeah, yep. I thoroughly disagree with Gary. My favourite goal was the third one. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whoever gave the ball away got completely manhandled by Arnold June, not exactly the biggest midfield enforcer in the league. Um, and then, like, three other Hearts players touched the ball before it hits the back of the net, and there's an army of Dundee players in there, and none of them are anywhere near them. It was great. Um, and Hamilton appeals for offside for the ball that was yeah. quite clearly cut back. I mean, <laughs> it speaks so much bigger in malaise that there is at the club at the moment. I think it's the one uh, example I can think of where a new manager has come in and the bounce has been. Into even worse performances. It's the opposite um, of a new manager bounce. Yeah. New manager splat. Yeah. <laughs> Show title. Um, yeah, remember that. Maybe yeah. they did. New manager splat. Um, yeah, because everything's just so lethargic and there's no real ideas. He's not solved and do not, on pain of death, say, I know a man who can solve it. He's not solved our problems up top. There's no supply to Calman. Kenny Miller is still running around wherever the ball is. It's like watching a game of playground football because he just follows it around like a dug. Um, it's almost like it wasn't a good signing. No, he wasn't. And most <laughs> of the fans... plays like 90 minutes every week. I mean, most of the fans looked at it at the time and went, why are we giving a two-year contract to a man who's 37 years old? I mean, I was I was at the Kelly game. There was a lot of... I thought, I thought McCann played that well. I thought he'd... Um, thought there was enough... And his uproar at the penalty decision that he'd uh, managed to distract everybody that yeah. he'd stay in the job. Ultimately, that didn't happen. But I thought he, he kind of he done well. He should maybe work in PR. He controlled the narrative pretty well. He should he should probably get a job at some places in Scottish football. He, he done so well. <laughs> um, and the, but the performance was dreadful that day. Yeah. Kelly were much a better team. Dundee created bugger off. Kelly didn't score that. They didn't get that penalty. They were scored eventually. Yeah. Um, and. Kenny Miller, I was just laughing towards the end because, like, to be fair, the last ten minutes he actually looked like the one player that might do something because Dundee's only tactic at the end of that game was to try long diagonals to him, and he almost got in twice. Yeah. But apart from that, the rest of the match he was absolutely rotten, and he still managed to play ninety minutes. He plays I mean, ninety minutes every week. That, don't know, don't know how. So we've got problems up top, but we've got massive problems at the back as well. And the thing that sticks in the craw of a lot of Dundee fans is that Kerr Waddle. Um, who was in the SPFL Team of the Week this year? This week, uh, he's comfortable with the ball at his feet. He's a fantastic header of the ball. He poses a bit of an aerial threat at set pieces as well. He is out on loan to Greenock Morton until January. Um, I think the hope is that um, Andy Boyle's loan finishes in January. Can't really see that being extended, and I reckon it'll just be thanks, Andy, and then bring Kerr Waddle back and 
hope he, for the best. He, he stuck out on the he stuck out in the highlights of the Morton Falkirk game at the weekend, albeit six minutes highlights uh, or whatever it was. But no, he did. He looked uh, he looked composed, assured on the ball, uh, decent at kind of breaking out for the back four as well. Uh, he did look like he was quite good that step. And he was, um, I mean, he scored twice against Hearts last season to win. Uh, to win that game 2-1 and I think that the problem is that and I know this will shock both of you but the reason <laughs> that he went out on loan was that he seemed to fall out with Neil McCann at some oh, point oh no how hud yourself back <laughs> can I believe it myself um, nobody falls out with Neil McCann yeah. no nobody he's a he's a you know calm man um, so again it's just man management has ruined us really um, if you have a look at the recruitment as well um, there's a list of probably at least half a dozen, if not a dozen players, who could get shipped out in January and it would make no difference whatsoever. I think Enguatala had a brightish start to his Dundee career, but he just he doesn't look up to it at all. Um, he doesn't seem to realise that he has teammates that he can pass to. Um, he tries, he spends too long on the ball as well, tries to do everything himself. It doesn't end well. Um, Adil Nabi can last for about 20 minutes and then just false pieces he's really just not got the fitness levels uh, at the moment because it Kenny Miller can go as well um, and, yet, the and yet they were only a striker away from being a top 16 this season we were led to believe who said that? don't know certainly <laughs> <laughs> was near me I mean the, the one positive for Dundee fans <laughs> yeah, do, you know, do you know when you watch like you watch a game that is like in the championship and it's a really good game it's like oh football's like a good standard here you're kind of fooled by what you see mm-hmm. so that's what happened to me in the first day of the season yeah. Sitting on Dundee, I didn't realise that both teams were championship quality. <laughs> <laughs> I thought both them played well. They should both be all right this season. No, dreadful. I think the one saving grace. Also, no, both teams had confidence at the time. They weren't fully aware of how crap they were. Mm-hmm. So, fair but, enough. Yeah. I mean, the one saving grace for Dundee is that we're only three. I think we're still only three points away from ninth. Incredibly, it's given of, the start. Because yeah, the, the four, the four teams are. Dreadful, and if it wasn't for Jack Hamilton being a diddy against St Mirren, it would be St Mirren at the bottom somehow. I know that obviously butterfly effect, counterfactuals, etc., etc. Um, I don't think butterfly but, effect was the right thing about to say that, but let's go with it. Jack Hamilton's <laughs> butterfly effect I've got a backup. <laughs> back- back in time. <laughs> <laughs> Decided against kicking the ball out. <laughs> Be quite jarring if you watch the highlights and you saw him disappear for a second, then come back <laughs> screaming and yelling, just bleaching the ball up the park. Um, Maybe that's what his break dance was about when he done it. It was just like two Jack Hamiltons. One, one was that, about to turn and go after the ball, and the other one just took that, over. It's like, actually, oh, it's actually like change the past. It's like the good place. He's actually gone back and tried to reset it about three hundred and seventy-two <laughs> times, but he still cannot get the right uh, combination. Um, so. Plus point for Dundee fans at the moment is we're not that far from safety. The downside is that that gives us false hope that we could possibly be safe with this squad, with this manager, and with that man who voted to liquidate the club possibly coming in as assistant manager. Um, there's not a lot to be positive about. Well, one thing that Hearts are going to be positive about is that we're going to win the fucking league! Uh, it bodes well at the fact that everybody, all Hearts fans in the group chat last night, thought that they would drop points. The fact that they can now win games away from home, which they didn't seem to be able to do last season. the amount of games won away from home last season already. And you would, I mean, you were able to see what, albeit in probably a weaker division, you were able to see what Aberdeen could achieve by just dealing 
with these teams on a weekly mm-hmm. basis. So yeah, we talk about the fact that Aberdeen struggle in in bigger games or the more important games. However, they were able to cement second place reasonably easily by just dealing with their kind of lesser likes of leagues consistently. So if Hearts could do that consistently, then do I think they're going to challenge for the title? No, <laughs> but they may be up the, the kind of upper echelons of the division longer than I anticipate. Yeah, there's one thing I'd say as well, because Hearts have been much better away from home and the results would show that. That have been a little fortunate in these first round of fixtures and how the home and aways have kind of lined up. I was, I was looking at it earlier. They've won, was it, four games away from home? But all those games, they've played Motherwell, who are toiling at the bottom, Dundee, who are toiling at the bottom, Hamilton, who are toiling at the bottom. The only team that those that played at home was St Man. <clears throat> well, on the flip side, played Aberdeen at home, played Celtic at home, and they played Aberdeen at home, and Livy. So, they've still got, so the next round of fixtures should probably be tougher. Yeah. Uh, you all have they all have some easy hits at home and they should be able to pick up points in that but they'll have a lot more away games that are a lot more trying St Johnson, Aberdeen, Hibs, Celtic um, those are all places Hearts have kind of toiled to get points in the, in the recent past uh, and it'll be interesting to see how this team does it but I mean right now it just seems like confidence is absolutely flowing through them and it, it, it's just simply a case of next man up oh we're out all injured who gives a shit we can, we can rest all the league one of the best players like but all the players missing for the side look at that team Naismith and Oli Lee have probably been the best two across the course of the season maybe McLean as well and yeah just uh, but we've got semi-final so Lee you take a rest we're bringing Cochrane for his first start of the season brilliant fine <laughs> everyone's fine I suppose <laughs> that both the challenge and the opportunity for Hearts is that it's a bit more of a sort of a multipolar league so it's not the case as it was with Aberdeen where the new Celtic are a strong team Rangers at the time were eh, alright but no great shakes and that they just had these other nine teams that they had to beat. Whereas for Hearts, the challenge is that, as people like to say, Rangers are back. Um, and then you've also got Hibs and Kilmarnock coming really strong starts to the season as well. So the problem is that there's that reduces the number of teams that Hearts, quote-unquote, should beat. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the same thing, you're just hoping so. that those same teams take continue to take points off of yeah. Celtic and Rangers, as they have done so far. Whether that will be the case, I think it mainly decides on how good Celtic and Rangers are. Because Celtic, the way they've played the last two games, nobody's really going to beat them. Um, mm-hmm. And Rangers, if they can transfer their Irox form away from home, still not really great signs of that, aren't they? Even though they got their first win against Hamilton, they weren't very good. But if they can do that, then they'll motor away as well. And it will be back to the Duopoly. But, I don't know, for the meantime, I'm not... There's a slight... <laughs> there's that wee voice inside you. It's like... <laughs> It's got to happen at some point, surely. Some, somebody's got to win the league. <laughs> Somebody except for them, too. Enjoy it while it lasts. Yes. It's, it's getting to the point now where it's like, you're really enjoying it because you're winning every week, but you're thinking, right, how long is this going to go on for? It's now six points. It's like, what point does it become heartache that you don't actually end up winning the league? <laughs> when you lose at home to Kilmarnock on the final day and they walk away with it. <laughs> yeah, Steve Clark, yeah. We like certainly won't be losing to Dundee on the last day of the season. This time, because I don't think they'll be in the same uh, section of the division. No. I'd just be happy to still be in the same division <laughs> and for the league to have not taken a decision to just relegate I us think, before uh, Christmas. I think we'll tell a lot from the next week or so. Um, Hearts away to Celtic. No, sorry. Against Celtic. And Home then- to Celtic. <laughs> <laughs> don't start this again. Come down, Brendan. <laughs> 
playing against Celtic at a neutral venue. That's right. Who cuts uh, the grass at Murrayfield? <laughs> Craig Levine. <laughs> and then home at Hibs and then away to Celtic. If there's anything less than three points out of those two league games, then you've got to say, oh, it was fun while it lasted. Let's just concentrate on finishing ahead of Hibs and Aberdeen mm-hmm. and maybe Rangers. Yeah, that would be quite fun, but... You'd have to say then, if the Celtic turn them over at Parkhead, then you've got to go, ah, well, that was, that was a good laugh. But if, if they get to that, if they get through, it doesn't really matter what happens in the League Cup, but if they beat Hibs and then draw at Celtic Park, then you're starting to be like, oh shit, <laughs> I've really got to care now. Because <laughs> I think once it gets to past like February, if you're, if you're top in February and you don't win a title, that's when it's really, even if you fall off, in February or March, it's still that's still gonna hurt. Before Christmas, it's fine. It's just a laugh. I remember that season where we won like eight of our first ten games. They're like really good. That was weird, then. Why, why would not like that every time? We rubbish. Because <laughs> yeah, you just got to look at Leicester. Because I think Leicester fans thought right up until yeah. about January, that's, February time that that's the, thing that, I, that's the model for you, the Leicester model. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I said in the show that I rallied against that kind of thinking because a lot of people said that around that time, like, oh, if Leicester could do it, why can't we? Blah, blah. I was like, mm-hmm. well, that, you're kind of missing the point of why the Leicester story was so special because that never, ever happens. You never, ever get a team that's mm-hmm. fancy to finish at the bottom half and they just get on this unbelievable run where confidence is soaring and everybody does their own job and it just fits perfectly and they don't get any major injuries and everything keeps going. Hurstling, how's that? Already, already so many major injuries. They also didn't sack their manager after a scandal in a brothel in Asia. Which is how the Asia, uh, how the Leicester story really started. Uh, yeah. That's going to start a crowdfunder to get Craig Levine out to Bangkok, <laughs> isn't it? Well, Hibs fans wrote letters to Lithuania, so they may as well. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're very uh, at ease with international relations. Uh, but so what we're saying, but on the, on the other side of that coin, I'm saying like that's why the Leicester story is so special. It still just emboldens like, that, that that wee voice I talked about earlier. Well, they can do it. Why not us? Come on, come on, believe. <laughs> We're the famous Corky boys. <laughs> yes, that is that's exactly what that wee prick says. <laughs> I uh, I don't think you should listen to him. I definitely shouldn't. And neither should any other Hearts fan. Until it's February. <laughs> Should have told Joel not to get League Winners 2018-19 tattooed on himself, but there you go. <laughs> right. Uh, Jim McIntyre is having a bad time of it at Dundee so far. One yes. of his former clubs, Dunfermline, mm-hmm. are not having a particularly good time of it either. Sean, tell us about Dunfermline. It, it must be, it must be this time of the year that we start to discuss the fact that Alan Johnson is on a bit of a kind of sticky wicket. I look forward to winning these next six games. I, I know, I know that's what happens, but that's... I suppose that's a frustrating thing from a, a Dunfermline point of view. So they they kind of start the season and have kind of tempered expectations. They put together a, a squad that looks like it could challenge for the playoffs. They, they don't seem to ever get it quite right. They eventually figures out what's wrong, rectifies it, and by that stage, it's normally kind of too late. So I must admit, at the start of the season, I thought Dunfermline had put together a decent squad. I thought they had a squad uh, that suited a, a three-five-two. I did add. Some caveats. So I thought. So you discussed the fact that they signed Danny Devine. Quite rightly, you pointed out that he's not very good. Okay, fair enough. But I thought they would get away with him at the heart of a three-man defence. Maybe I thought he would be okay in the championship. So did I. So did I. Admittedly, I did think he wasn't an upgrade on Callum Morris, and I think that's we're now 
establishing that that's very much the case. Also, he's getting even more exposed because the three-five-two has now been abandoned. Uh, I thought at the start of the season they had so much depth uh, from the middle of the park. He signed Tom Beedling, who was excellent. Uh, they got on loan from from Sunderland uh, last season. He was really good. Admittedly, he's just coming back from an injury, but he's still don't know if he's made an appearance. He may have come on as a, a substitute. Uh, James Cregan can play in the middle of the park. Aidan Connolly can play in the middle of the park. They they have James Vincent. I didn't think that was one of their, their better options that could play in there. Uh, Higginbotham could could play in there uh, if need be. And yet here we are on Saturday, and they played uh, James Vincent, and uh, they played Lewis Martin, who's a centre half. So where did all these where did all these central midfield options go that I thought would be great this season? And I suppose the biggest uh, the biggest caveat that I added was you did wait. You said Lewis Martin. Uh, the Mallory Martin. No, 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 no. They've oh. also signed Mallory Martin, who is another central midfield option. But so he didn't play the centre on Saturday. No, no. Like the team I saw, it said Lewis Martin. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I couldn't see Mallory Martin mentioned at all. I thought it was because I looked at the I looked at the Dunfermline website, uh, the fans forum, and I saw somebody complaining about Mallory Martin playing too continental style. I thought it was the one I read said Lewis Martin, but I don't maybe know. maybe it was the wrong name. I don't know, I'll look. Keep too, okay. Sorry, too continental style. <laughs> It's not going to be Lewis Martin then. He's French, must be continental. Well, they said like he like he slows the, the play down a lot and him and Vincent together both kind of do the same thing so it doesn't quite work as a parent. Uh, what I read said that uh, Martin and uh, Vincent sat too deep. So I'd, initially I thought, well, that's definitely Lewis Martin. That sounds very much like Lewis Martin. Uh, the, the biggest caveat I added was uh, could uh, Elbak Tui score the goals that they would need because... If you look at the goals that they lost from last season, so Nicky Clark scored 21 in all competitions. Uh, Declan McManus scored 13 in all competitions. Even Joe Cardo uh, started the season particularly well. He scored 10 in all competitions. Marley Martin. Oh, there you go. Okay, fair enough. I'll give him that one. I'll give him that one. But it still says the problems with the squad because they can't really work together as a midfield two. Uh, well, not in evidence of not in evidence of Saturday certainly. Albeit uh, it was made more difficult by the fact that Queen of South. Uh, Queen of South uh, just sat in didn't have didn't, were basically essentially playing on the break I think they had one shot on target and, and won the game but there was, I thought they, had, they were a squad that had so many things going for them and it, and it just isn't working at all they, they don't have so last season not too many teams scored more goals than Dunfermline maybe St Martin scored more goals than them uh, they may have had the best defence in the league whereas this season uh, I think only a couple of teams have, have scored fewer than Dunfermline and only a couple of teams have, have conceded more Again, I think we'll probably get in a situation where Johnson gets to January and can possibly start to rectify these these problems, which is exactly what he's done every other season. But they they're starting to get to the stage because the next four games, three of them's away from home. So Dunfermline are underachieving. They haven't got to this. So you look at teams that have lost their managers this year. Patrick Thistle were doing really poorly. Falkirk beyond uh, poor. Dungeon United looked like a bit of a shambles so Dunfermline aren't in any of those categories yet but they aren't too far away from, from getting there unless they can pick up form and the fact that they've got so many away games coming up that's going to be a struggle So how are they doing uh, in terms of keeping pace with the top of the league at the moment because maybe one of the saving graces is that there's so many teams in the championship that are you know it's not really stratified as such other than Alloa and Falkirk and they're not living getting, back already uh, from the, I don't think they're too far away from the playoffs as such. I yeah. think if they, I think if they'd won uh, at the weekend, they would have been fairly close, maybe um, only a couple of points uh, for the playoffs. But 
again, these, these four games are key. Uh, I can't remember who they've got coming up, but certainly three arms away from home. Uh, and oh, well, there we go. It's Dungeon United. They're at home to Dungeon United, a team that they rarely beat, although they did, they did beat them at the start of the season. Uh, then they're away to Inverness, who haven't lost a game this season. Well, that'll finish they've one They've drawn up, a hell of a lot uh, of games. Inverness always draw one up. <laughs> they are then away to Alloa, who have only just won the first game of the season. They, Alloa actually looked pretty good against Partick Thistle. Uh, we spoke... Uh, last week about the fact that Alloa had narrowed their park and possibly that made things bizarrely even harder for Alloa but they looked like they'd kind of found a bit of form at the weekend albeit against Partick uh, and then they're also away to Ross County so you look at those four fixtures and there isn't necessarily a lot of points coming out of them and then at that at that stage then maybe yeah you would, you would, you would look to Johnson at that point and say right are you really taking us forward here? Rough times for the barcodes Rough time for the barcodes. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you a bigger thing that Dunfermline family need to sort out, and I'm, it's starting to annoy me. Uh, Sammy the Tammy. Did you see the video of Sammy the Tammy recently? And he, it was a 90 second video, and he'd done, is it, is it the, the baby uh, shark Baby dance? shark thing, yeah. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Sammy the Tammy is pissing all over the legacy of the original <laughs> and best Sammy the Tammy. This Sammy the Tammy, he needs to get back to sledging doing stairwells when there's a game on and there's two thousand, well, sorry, 4,000 people in the stadium. He needs to get back to offending people. He needs to get back to taking the piss out of opposing managers. Bring back Sammy or just jack it because this Sammy is a farce. <laughs> Do you think he's going to walk past some empty cardboard boxes and it'll be like when Dougal looks at that big red button in Father Ted? <laughs> he just keeps looking at them. Celebrate those together, machine gun the, the opposing fans. Do something. Don't don't give me baby sharks. Baby shark. Do, 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 do. Some, I was really angry. Really angry at that. Give, where, is, where is Sammy? The real Sammy's tied up somewhere. Come back. I really didn't really expect the most visceral rant on this show considering you were going to be talking about Dundee. It was going to be Sean... <laughs> Body in the new Sammy the Tammy. I, uh, albeit he is the famous mascot, Alex like Sammy the Tammy, and I am embarrassed at what he's become. <laughs> so, Johnson possibly heading out the door. Um, Sammy the Tammy, you definitely want to be heading out the door. Please, please. Uh, so let's get to the rest of the managerial merry-go-round that's been happening in the lower leagues. It's, uh, I think it's almost coming to a stop. It's probably a good thing because I've struggled to keep up. Okay. Where, where do you want to start? Um, whatever you like. What you, about, you can see my extensive notes in the matter. Yep, absolutely. What about uh, Ian Murray to Irji? Yes. I was surprised at this. I thought it was going to be Morris Ross, which would have been an interesting one, I suppose. He was he in the Faroe Islands. He's still in the Faroe Islands. Uh, well, they're, they're, yeah, still in the Faroe Islands. There you go. Uh, yeah, Ian Murray. So he's spent time in Norway. I can't make up my mind if Ian Murray is a good manager or not. I think I'm going to suggest that he is. But this, I suppose, might be his this kind of acid test about where his managerial career goes from here. Because he, so when he got to Dumbarton, it looked like Mission Impossible. He was never going to keep Dumbarton up. He kept him up that season, 2012-13, I think. Uh, next season, uh, his first full season at Dumbarton, they finished fifth. They were only a handful of points behind, I think, Queen of South might have finished fourth. And they played excellent football. Uh, I'm sure that was a season where they... I think they scored 11 goals more than Dundee, who won the league uh, that season. But they, there was only two teams conceded more. One of them was Morton. And bear in mind, Morton conceded 10, 10 on the last day of the season. He was uh, he threw caution to the wind that first full season at, at Dumbarton. If games were all square with 10 minutes to go, bear in mind, he's one of the few... You know, he's in charge of one of the few part-time teams in that league. You might think that the part-time team would happily take a point. No, he would throw in an extra attacker or two extra attackers and he would go for three points. 
The next season with Dumbarton was a, a little tighter, but in his defence, that was the season, I'm sure it was the season when it was Rangers, Hearts and Hibs, so it wasn't quite as expansive. They only scored 36 goals that season, and I'm sure only Cowden Beath conceded more, and they also conceded 10 that season as well against uh, against Hearts. But again, he kept them up, uh, kept them up comfortably, and that's at that point that's when he joined St Murden, and it was a little tougher uh, at St Murden. But if Airdrie are going to get the, the Ian Murray that, that started so well at Dumbarton, and Airdrie, because I think for a lot of years there's been a malaise around Airdrie, not exactly the most exciting team to watch, kind of just pottering about that third tier. Never look like they're going to get promoted. Generally look like they're going to be safe. He could be he could be just what Airdrie need because they've actually got. They've got a reasonably talented squad that should probably be around the playoffs at the very least. You have to wonder whether Ian Murray is... So this is why he might be a success. I think you, you're going to sometimes have managers. like Sometimes you'll have a full, full-time player, or a former full-time player, who spent their entire career in like the top leagues, and they'll, they'll drop down in divisions. And it can go one of two ways. A lot of times... They won't understand part-time football. They've never played in it. They don't understand the players. Where they've got demands on their job. What kind of training they want? Because if you're working all day, you don't want to go to training where you're going to be working on, you know, tactics and shape for the entire thing. You want to kind of play. You want to keep fit. You want to enjoy it. Um, but the other side, you get somebody coming down with kind of new ideas, and uh, because they've they've worked to that higher standard their entire professional career. They've just got the advantage that guys who maybe go into management having been part-time players their entire life don't really have. And you saw it with Paul Hartley at Alloa. You saw it with you know Murray at Dumbarton, possibly. Darren Young at Alvin Overs and East Fife. There's a, a, numerous examples. He could be one of those. So that's the fact ex- he's gone back to... Every year have gone back to part-time, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. So the fact he's gone back to part-time football, that's maybe him and his, and his comfort zone. And to be fair to him, it's a minute. Unless your name is Jack Ross, it's been very hard to be a submitting manager these last four years. He, it's funny you should mention that, that was apparently the first thing he did when he went to Dumbarton. He made everything more professional. He uh, was really big on nutrition, which up until that point they weren't. He uh, went very big on fitness. Apparently his, his training regime was excellent. Apparently the first thing he did at Dumbarton was he made everything far more professional and as close as to a, a kind of what you would expect from a full-time setup, albeit on two evenings a week or, or whatever, as, as you could possibly get uh, the world. That was how he made those those big changes so quickly, apparently. Who else? Uh, Jim Duffy to Dumbarton. Okay. After he had uh, failed to, to land the Patrick Thistle job, I think he was uh, keeping his powder dry over Dumbarton until he was discounted for Patrick Thistle, which he was. And to celebrate, Dumbarton brought out a, a poem. It went on the website a couple of nights ago. I don't have all of it. I've got the first uh, stanza. Would you like to hear it? Yes. Is, it, is this a seasonal poem by any chance? No, no. no. They, no. Have, uh, they have an in-house uh, poet called Stephen Watt. Uh, you can read all of his poems on the website if you'd like, if you'd like that. Maybe. Um, Who knows? Do you want me to run through? I'll just give you the first few lines. Well, you say a seasonal. So I was trying to think. Well, I was I was thinking well, of a no, promotional poster, they, but I'm sure we'll come to that. Yeah, they had two promotional things. Uh, well, well, one promotional thing and one was that they uh, they have an in-house poet that writes poetry at, at various times. Did you join the first few lines? Yes, yes, please. Okay. Stanza. <clears throat> Stanza. Yes. Where were you when the new manager was appointed? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Counting calories in the crisp aisle. Halfway through a driving lesson, <laughs> editing your Facebook profile. This sounds like one of those personal injury lawyer adverts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
Wrapping the first batch of Christmas presents. Don't they don't do that, it's mid October. <laughs> that's what I thought. There's a, there's a bit about fixing your roof tiles. I think that's in the second. I thought about including the second stanza, but it probably went on a little long. Uh, but yeah, if you'd I like to. I can't now. Oh, sorry, that's all, that's all I've wrote. Uh, but if, you would, uh, if you'd like to, to, to read the rest, then you can go on Dumbarton's website. If you've been affected by any of the situation in the show. <laughs> The, the 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 marketing uh, the marketing angle that Dumbarton went for uh, with uh, Jim Duffy is that they were advertising this Saturday's game against East Fife and they went for Duffy the Vampire Slayer, which can suggest that that is at least seasonal. That that's seasonal, but they're also suggesting that Fifers are like vampires, <laughs> ghouls maybe. This is really about vampires. Especially uh, not nowadays, you get a sexy tweet, uh, teen yes, vampire. That is, that is definitely what I think. When I think of fifers, <laughs> you don't like Robert Pattinson. <laughs> no, I, I don't think of uh, kind of all these sexual, <laughs> sexual beings. I'm so reeling from this poem. So, <laughs> so someone who finds someone fixing the roof tiles finds out what what is that? Is that like a neighbour walking by and going, well, Jim, Jim? I know you're busy, but guess what? Well, you see, that's the problem. I've taken this, and I suppose it's now out of context, and you should read all of the poem to, to get the full story. I absolutely will. Well, there you go. Well, I'm yeah. glad. I'm, well, you're interested, and that's a good thing. Yeah. That's what I was trying to do. Got Peak, my attention. Pique people's interests. Yeah. That's good marketing, then. Absolutely. Dragged me in. See, you thought I was taking the mic, and I'm not. Just trying to uh, get a bit of buy-in for Dumbarton's in-house boat. So will he be a good manager? Well, you, Jim Duffy's a, a funny one, because he seems to have went through a bit of a renaissance recently, so... And I'm not entirely sure that it's justified. <laughs> well, he was nearly Scotland manager at one point, so... He's got loads of pals in the media. Yeah, but even Dumbarton fans seem, on, by and large, seem really happy at his appointment. If you remember when he was appointed uh, Morton manager, and they were in the third tier at the time, that was not the, the, the kind of common consensus when it, it came to the, his appointment. Did he do that well at Morton? He won, he won the third tier kind of unconvincingly, yeah, but it, it was a title. He... The kind of first two thirds uh, of the season back in uh, the championship, or, or three quarters, two thirds, they, they were very good. Uh, League Cup semi final, they weren't that far away for Hibs. About a quarter of the season to go. After that, they've been a kind of mixture of poor and okay. Well, both both seasons in the championship, they started really well and they were, you know, looking aside that reached playoffs one year. Should have probably reached the playoffs yep. second year, kind of fell apart towards the end of the season. But the fact that in both both campaigns, it really kind of petered out, and it just kind of seemed. I think he'd done a good job, but it was more a case of he'd taken Morton as far as they can go, and I think that's what the supporters and the, and the board kind of thought that they needed somebody else to try and get them over that hurdle because you know they obviously looked at Duffy and thought, well, we believe in you enough to keep us in the league, but we want to try and kick on and, and win promotion. Uh, I mean, people can say that's mad for a call like Morton, but I mean, what's the point if you don't have those sort of ambitions? I think he, I think he's going to Dumbarton at a perfect time. Uh, they've sort of second bottom. They've got a squad that should be nowhere near that position in the league. Defensively, th- they are bad. But then, in fairness, seventy-five percent of their back four at the moment is Willie Dyer, Andy Dowie, who looks like this maybe one season too far, and Ross Perry. With that being the case. No wonder they're a shambles uh, defensively. Further forward, you've got the midfield. You know, Bobby Barr, Ryan Thompson could probably play in the middle. Uh, Ross Forbes and, and Dom Thomas. That's a good. That's a good midfield uh, for the third tier. 
Rory Loy, Callum Gallagher could play up front if Rory Loy can rekindle the form that he showed before. Again, a great player at, at third tier. The problem is that they're, they're not showing it at the moment, but yeah, I think Duffy's going to merit it at the perfect time. If he can bring in somebody like, so he signed uh, Luca Gasparotto before, so he's uh, he's out of contract, he could come in in January. Right away, he would kind of rectify their, or partially rectify their defensive frailties. So, no, I, I think he'll be fine at Dumbarton. They might be leaving it a wee bit late to to catch up with Arbroath and Rafe. In fact, they probably have. But I wouldn't say the playoffs were totally uh, out of contention. Who's the next manager? Uh, the next manager uh, went in at Stirling Albion. Ah. A somewhat left field appointment. Uh, I was not expecting them to appoint Kevin Rutkovic. Ah. In fact, I struggled to say Kevin Rutkovic. So I was kind of disappointed when they well. appointed them. Good. Uh, interestingly, I... I'd, in fairness, I'm not a Dundee fan, so I thought Dundee fans, passionate as they are about their clubs, I did think that they were in danger of going a bit OTT about the fact that Billy Dodds might go in there. However, when I saw that Stirling Albion had appointed Martin Hardy as their assistant manager, and I was thinking how much froth I would get myself in if Reith Rovers appointed him in any capacity of Reith Rovers, I totally understand where you're coming from. Did Martin Hardy vote to liquidate Reith Rovers? <laughs> Out of interest? <laughs> no. No. Uh, no. Right. But what I would say is... Uh, now that he's in there, Sterling Albion players should probably close their curtains. <laughs> that can mean one of many things. I do. I think Sterling Albion will be fine. I think he has his work cut out there. I think they have the, the basis of a decent squad, a, a decent spine, but surrounded by not very much. Uh, they, I, it was interesting that they signed Dylan Macken last week or the week previously, but. They put an article up saying that they were pleased to sign him and that they signed him on amateur an, an amateur deal. Uh, but it looks like, just by the article about when he was released from Falkirk, it was after the window closed. They then put another article on the website, which has since been deleted, but I only got this, the first sentence, which says something like, despite assurances that... <laughs> and I couldn't read any more. So I don't actually think they can play him. Because he would be a good signer, that's exactly what they need. But I, I don't think he can play until the, until the window opens again. It's a bit of a cop out, eh? Despite assurances that... I mean, find it yourself whether you can sign this guy or not. It, it looked like the article may have been blaming somebody else, uh, but the article is now gone. So, uh, so yeah, I don't exactly know where they were going with that. But yeah, so I'm not going to be able to play him. The the squad is is bereft. People like Mark Stewart should be. They should really be achieving things in in uh, the fourth year, but he's he's constantly injured. So should Kevin Moon. But no, nothing seems to be going right for for Stirling Albion at either end of the park. Uh, he he has. He has a good reputation as an assistant manager at Annan, whether that will translate uh, as being his own man as a manager. And, you know, the, the fact of the matter is he's not really going to have a lot of time to, to kind of hit the ground running because they are in a kind of mini-league at the bottom of that table with uh, Berwick and uh, Albion Rovers and maybe to a lesser extent Cowdenbeath. But, yeah, interesting to see how he, uh, he gets on his first uh, managerial steps. And another team that's kind of down there that has, that has lost their manager, uh, Albion Rovers. Uh, I was gonna, sorry, I, was, I, was, I would have done that link myself, but uh, I was looking up to see who Kevin Rukovic used to play for, because I was going to make a joke about them just hire an ex-St. Johnson. St. Johnson. Defenders. I was going to say they go for Fraser Wright next, but it was fine, we moved on. <laughs> uh, yeah, John Brogan. Uh, goodbye, we, we barely knew you. Literally, literally we barely knew who John Brogan was. Uh, uh, when, you, when you mentioned him in the chat, like... Going through who we're going to talk about, and you said Brogan, and I was like, I've no idea who the fuck that is. 
I'm sure I've actually been on a podcast before and you've spoken about him, but it was just completely fell out my head. I, I, I mean, a, a bizarre appointment. A bizarre appointment, the fact that he had been at such a low level, not just junior football, but at such a low level. And he'd been, I think his last role, he was sacked, was he not? Uh, so it's not just that he was a successful sort of mid-level no, junior I mean, manager. I, I think he really has jobbed about. Yeah. In his, in his defence, uh, he was, so he's had two league clubs on his managerial CV. His last one was Arbroath, which was 95-96. Before that, he had four or five seasons, I believe, at Stirling Albion. He did, uh, he, he steered them to a second division title, which would have been at the time when Scotland had three tiers, and he got them to a Scottish Cup quarter-final. So, at that level... He does have some success on his CV, but it was... When the Berlin Wall was still standing? Uh, 1990, so possibly. So, yeah. so not far off it. Certainly. No, it fell in December 89. Oh, there you go. So there you go. Uh, but a, a bizarre appointment and a team... <laughs> you get a history lesson on the terrace as well. Uh, it's a team that... that I mean, bear in mind, they, 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 during the summer they recruited half... <laughs> it's never good when you stop the sentence to exhale. <laughs> it's like, they, they recruited half of Aloha's development, so I think I'm fairly certain Aloha disbanded their development squad uh, they took on five players from them uh, I thought were, trendsetters yeah, I was that's say, not a good thing I thought that Aloha were tied into the Fourth Valley mm, maybe. system and that was one of the and they provided the bulk of the funding which then sort of shafted possibly uh, possibly, uh, possibly, uh, possibly I'm getting mixed up but they, they certainly took on five players from Aloha's youth team the rest of the players are a kind of motley crew that was cobbled together from amateur football and junior football and just other teenagers from SPFL clubs. Uh, the, the website I was on actually it showed you it actually had the badge of the team that they'd been signed from, and I was like, oh, they signed this guy from uh, so it's Barry, I think it's Ely, his name is. And I'm like, oh, they've signed him for Rangers. I said, I didn't realise that, and it was Campus Lang Rangers, uh, and that kind of shows you the the kind of level that they're going to the recruit players from. Their, their budget is obviously minuscule. Where they go in terms of recruiting a manager, I don't know. If you compare them to last season's Cowan Beef team, they had five points at this stage. I thought that Cowan Beef team was the worst team I'd seen. Uh, I've been over a few points. Uh, they've conceded far more goals. Uh, yeah, they're in, they're in trouble. Uh, if a manager can turn that around, I, th- I think he would need a far bigger budget to do anything with that team. You should go around... Uh the members of the town's 50 Celtic supporters clubs and uh, see if we can help them out. Come watch us for a game, please. Uh, just up the road, you can see it there. Look, at the window. don't think that's going to happen, is it? Stop singing that song. <laughs> I think it's so bright from the outside. It's such a, such a bright colour scheme. You think it would attract people in? Not unless they're painted green and white. I think that'll do us. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook. You can also send us an email, which is terracepodcast at gmail.com and you can have a look at the website terracepodcast.net if you'd like to hear more from us we're going to be doing the Patreon now I've done it as well Patreon nobody can pronounce that one because we're doing the Patreon now where we're going to be reviewing Monday's Sports Sign programme and the explosive row between Michael Stewart and when I say explosive I mean quite funny row between Michael Stewart and Tom English with a wee bit of James McFadden sprinkled in as well uh, so if you'd like to hear us kind of dissect that and laugh about that, then uh, yeah, $2 a month, uh, head over to patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. Guys, say goodbye. Goodbye. Sean, say goodbye. Cheerio. And for the weekend, hope you enjoy your football. Don't know what the clap was about. <laughs>